All right, all right. Here we are. This is Spence, AP and Spence. We're two lawyers talking college sports, sports line. Yeah, just kind of sports law in general. Um, here we are. Uh, this is season two, episode seven. How are you doing today, AP? It's a good day. It's not a, it, it's i uh, I'll tell you why it's a good day, Spence. Why is that? Reggie Bush was back on campus at USC today and uh, he's been banned forever. If you remember, I, he was one of the second largest sanctions in NCAA history behind the death penalty of SMU. He was at the center of it. And for the very first time, he's back on campus. He's walking around. You'll see him on social media with Clay Helton. And he's back on campus for the first time. And so he's still a big name. He's on Fox Sports, as you know. Absolutely. Everybody knows Reggie Bush. And, and uh, USC went to two national championship wins. And they played for a third one with him. So every year he played at USC, he was either playing for a national championship or winning it. Yeah, he was a special player, no doubt. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing really good. I, you know, I'm I'm wearing a, a sweatshirt today, which is a big deal for me. I, you know, I'm yeah, because with, you normally wear tank tops to work. I, I, I'm normally, yeah, especially when the sun's out. The sun's out, the guns are out. For that's the way I live my life. But today I'm wearing a, a Jones Soda sweatshirt. This is a sweatshirt that I was able to acquire after consolidating and collecting 50 soda can tops. And I turned it into the Jones Soda Company, and they got me this sweatshirt. So I'm super excited about it. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. We would love Jones Soda to be a sponsor. Absolutely. If they want to send us free samples, we'd love it. <laughs> we'll <that>. take it. <laughs> and that's really cool. 50 Joneses. And But Spencer, you don't just drink Jones any day of the week. You have a special occasion. Oh, yeah, only only if we have a really good day at work do we get a Jones Soda. So so we have to, we've had to have had a lot of really good days at work in order to get 50 Jones Soda tops, right? I love it. And I'm wearing my USC Trojan uh, jersey in honor of the Trojans. And, uh, yeah, let's get into some stuff. There's a lot of news. There's a lot of news going on. This is going to be an interesting day. So we got two stories we got to get to to start in our first segment here today. The first is, is that the SEC is now warning coaches and sideline players that if they're not in the game, they need to be wearing masks. And if they're not wearing masks, we're looking at a potential $100,000 fine against the schools. How hard would that be, you think, to enforce and make sure that these coaches and and players that aren't playing are wearing masks the whole time. Well, it's pretty challenging because if you figure you have like 100 people on the sidelines, right? And people are going to just forget. You're in the heart of a game. You're talking to somebody. You have it around your neck or you have it in your pocket. And then you're standing there and somebody says, oh, I saw this person not wearing a $100,000 fine, a tenth of a million dollars. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of warnings and that sort of thing. I, I think what they're going to be looking for is trends. If it seems like half your staff is not wearing it and you've been warned and it's still happening, then they might hit you. You know, it's just like rushing the field. When BYU rushed the field against USC, they got a penalty for that. And that penalty cost BYU money, a lot of money. And and so, and I love bringing that up because we took from the coffers. They took our hearts and we took their money. And uh, But it's the same thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, we need the people, because I'm watching the sidelines and I see a ton of people not wearing masks. Some are wearing masks. Um, you know, I see John Gruden for the Raiders. He's wearing some kind of like underwear looking thing on his face to the side. You know, I don't, you know, Pete Carroll didn't even wear a mask one of the games and he and got in he trouble got for fine. that. He, he got, got fine. As did the Seahawks. And, and the NFL is potentially threatening even more serious sanctions, talking like loss of draft picks mm-hmm. and things like that if they're not wearing their masks on the sidelines. So we're, you know, they were, they were initially, you know, got, got pretty dinged by the NFL. So it's just interesting that now that's, that's spreading to the SEC specifically. It'll be interesting to see if that goes on to other NCA conferences and other NCA schools. Right now, it's just the SEC. But a hundred thousand dollar fine. I mean, we're that, we're talking serious money here. Yeah, and 
it seems like you could brand those out to like, you know, have a, a Cardinal one with a little gold SC on the side, a BYU one. You shouldn't have to have those blue kind of like uh, surgical masks out there. Let's get some branding and going on. Have it be part of your uniform. Let's get through the pandemic. That vaccine's coming, as you know, Spence. And uh, maybe we won't be wearing masks soon, but right now we are, so let's wear them. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Now, the other big story that happened that happened this week is really an interesting one. And this this involves the uh, the head coach, a head basketball coach, Greg Marshall at Wichita State. Of course, you know their mascot. I do. They're, they're the Shockers. They're Shockers. That's, that's, yeah. That is correct. You know uh, why? Because yeah, that's a cool nickname. I mean, and I always see it for basketball. It's really cool. It's like a bee that looks really angry and tall. I think it's a haystack, but yeah, it's a it's a standing it's like haystack. A standing, standing haystack, yeah, the shocker. Wait a minute, so so <laughs> now now haystacks are real animals well, too. I, I don't think it's like I think it's a I think it's a group of a a, a bushel of like corn stalks or whatever. But okay, so here, <laughs> but that being put, let's get to the news. Here, yeah, right? yeah, so, sure. So okay, so Greg Marshall is accused of having some pretty serious misconduct uh, towards his his players and other student athletes. There are three specific ones that that people are are bringing up. There's one where he's alleged to have punched a former player named Shaquille Morris. He's also accused of having of putting his hands around a staff member's neck. And then the last one was, I guess, some student athlete had parked in his parking spot. He followed the kid who had parked in his parking spot and then punched the kid through the window. I mean, not not like through his, his window was rolled down, but punched the kid. And said, you know, do you know, don't you know who that, you know, the heck I am? I think he may have used a different word. But these are pretty serious allegations. And, you know, I remember a few years ago where a Rutgers head coach was alleged to have thrown a ball at, at some players. And, and that coach got canned really fast. Now, he was not as uh, winning of a coach as Greg Greg Marshall is. I mean, Greg Marshall has taken the Shockers to Final Fours. And, and you know, he's been a, he's been a heck of a coach. So and continues to be. So I guess my question for you, AP, is, you know, first of all, if you if you get if you in the compliance office or you're in the or you're in the sports administration at a school and you get you were told you're told that a student athlete is is alleging something like this against a prominent head coach. What, what's your role? I mean, what, what do you have to do? Yeah, so the role starts with any any coach or staff member, whether they're prominent or not. Here's what you do. If you're if you're in compliance and some anybody comes to you and says, this coach is abusing, this coach is hitting, this coach is threatening violence, this coach is doing this or that that seems inappropriate. First thing you have to do, you're a mandatory reporter. You, you work for a school, work for a college. you got to send that up. First thing I would do is whoever the head of compliance is, the SWA and the athletic director, hey, guys, this is what I've just been told. I'm reporting it to you immediately, and I think we need to take some action or at least investigate it or see what's going on. And then they're going to call the coach in at an appropriate time and say, hey, coach, what what the heck's going on? This is the allegations. What say you? And maybe do an investigation if it's appropriate. But what you never want to do is if you get information is say, well, the coach is a nice guy to me. I'm sure that's not true. Or, oh, it's probably not that big of a deal, or maybe the guy's lying, or maybe he just had lost his cool. And make you don't make that determination yourself as a staff member or a compliance officer. you got to report it up. It could turn into a lawsuit one, two, three years down the road. It could be uh, lots of problems, and you don't want the buck to stop with you. So just simply take it seriously. Take it at face value. Don't tell anybody except for the people that need to know and escalate it up. Make sure that the president knows, athletic director, head of compliance, 
and they're taking the appropriate steps to investigate it. Maybe the Title IX officer as well. Yeah, and I guess I guess I mean you know this this has been interesting because there has been a mass exodus of players at Wichita State. They've had a total of eight eight players enter the transfer portal over the last year. I mean, you know, a lot of times the old saying, "If there's smoke, there's fire." If you have that number of kids transferring out of a of a pretty major, you know, mid major program, a, a high high mid major for sure. Don't you think that, that there might be some smoke behind some of these allegations? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like anything, right? I mean, if, if you got a bunch of people leaving a team, they're leaving for a reason. A bunch of people leaving a place of employment, there must be a reason. A bunch of people leaving a state, there must be a reason. People behave certain ways for reasons. Now, if it's a one-off, that could just be a strange one-off. If there's a pattern, there's a pattern for a reason. And so something's going on. There's also a pattern of a number of different kind of racial remarks that were made by the coach. I'm not going to get into them because I think they're pretty disgusting. But, you know, kind of making fun of the players from where they're from or or, or, or their, their, their ancestral background. I mean, what if you hear those types of allegations, some type of racial remarks? I mean, you know, we're, we're going from not only just these, you know, physical altercations, but now also racial and discriminatory practices by a head coach. What, what's the responsibility if you have those types of allegations? Just the same, whether it's physical abuse or mental abuse, um, sexual harassment, racial discrimination, um, all of that, you just, you, none of it's appropriate, right? And so what you do is you collect the information, you report it up right away, and you conduct an investigation. Now, the, the school can make the choice of saying, we're going to leave the coach as is while we're investigating. We're going to pull the coach off while we're investigating. We're going to suspend the coach. There's lots of different actions they can take uh, and that they make a decision of at the university level. And with their general counsel, they should be involved as well. But these are serious allegations, no different than if it happened at work or something like that. And you have a serious allegation of uh, sexual harassment or, or racial discrimination or violence or, or anything like that. You never want to joke about it. You never want to take it not seriously and assume it didn't happen. Even if you have a great relationship with this person, they've always treated you with respect. You have no idea how they treated someone else. You don't want to be the judge, jury, and executioner. You want to report that up right away, get all the parties involved, conduct an investigation. That's where you can hire outside lawyers and counsel. Because as a compliance officer, you don't really want to have those tough conversations, to be honest. That's really tough to have those hard conversations, those investigations. And then a month or two later, you're back working with these same people, right. maybe. We can hire that outside counsel to, to come in and do, we're going to do a thorough investigation. We're going to interview all the witnesses. We're going to take statements. We're going to hear testimony. We're going to do depositions for you. We're going to figure out what happened here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens as they as they continue with this. I mean, like I said, last year alone, I saw in this story that uh, from ESPN last year the Shockers were twenty three and eight and were right on the bubble. I mean, this guy's a heck of a coach. He has been a coach, but he's a fiery guy. I don't know if you've ever seen them play, but he's a fiery guy and he's he's very animated on the sidelines. And you know, it's it's interesting to see that he's so animated and how and. It seems like he's even that way when he's coaching his kids. Yeah, or just walking by when somebody's parked in his parking spot. So obviously he can't keep his emotions in check if these are true. And that's not good. That's not good to have someone like that in charge of kids and, and heading up a major program. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. All right, this is AP and Spence, two lawyers talking college sports coming back. Uh, now... So we've talked about some breaking news. Now let's talk about some NCA violations and give a little bit of rules ed. I know that's this is your favorite segment of the of the show typically. Oh, this is the rib bone. It's a juicy rib bone. I'm just chewing on it, Spence. Now last week we had uh, 
you know, the, uh, the director of compliance at Western Carolina, awesome, Dan Gibson, great guy. And this week, it's interesting, we've got another South, Southern Conference uh, uh, school here, Charleston Southern. Of course, you know their mascot. The Eagles. The Buccaneers. That's incorrect. And not the Eagles. But You know who else plays for the Buccaneers, Spence? Who's that? Tom Brady. No, the, no that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not the Charleston Southern <laughs> Buccaneers. So, okay, so we've got the Buccaneers. So here, here's the violation and what took place. This is in their women's volleyball program. And basically what had happened was a, a head coach for the Charleston Southern women's volleyball team had, had just left a prior school. And this coach had then contacted her prior student athletes at the prior school and wished them happy birthday, gave them congratulatory messages and things like that. But most of the conversations were, were casual, but there were some where the coach was reaching out to the former players to try to get them to transfer to Charleston Southern. Now, she did not get permission from the NCAA or the uh, enforcement staff to make these connect to make these calls and these these texts. So I guess what's so wrong for a coach to reach out to a former player and say, hey, I, I hope you're having a happy birthday today. I'm thinking about you. But what, what, what's so wrong about that? Why is that a violation? It's impermissible contact. And so basically how it works is once a coach leaves a school, they can no longer have any communication with those student athletes as long as they have eligibility remaining. Why? Because they could potentially transfer and go to that school or another school. So they don't want uh, coaches leaving and going, hey, I hope all's well. How's that coach treating you? Are they playing you like they should? What do you think of that new coach? Well, it would be a little different over here. And they start putting like little pressures on you to, to transfer. Th that shouldn't happen. And so it, it's, it's just a basically strict as that. So we would always tell coaches, if you're leaving, you say your goodbye when you're here. Like, hey, guys. I'm going to miss you. I've taken another job. I love all of you. I loved coaching you. Unfortunately, NCAA rules are not going to allow me to communicate back and forth with you by text or email or phone call. I won't be able to respond if you reach out to me. Don't take it personally. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't want to respond to you. The NCAA rules won't let me. And um, so just know that now. And that's it. And then you leave. Now, if a kid reaches out to you a day later and is like, congrats, coach, on the, on the, you know, the new job, and you respond to THX, it was one day after. Yeah, you could probably meet a couple of that, and the NCAA is going to say, that's, "Hey, that's fine." Just you know, you know, but that's really about it. I mean, for the most part, it has to end right there. Otherwise, it's impermissible contact. Because right, the coach. Yes, I understand they have relationships with these people and they want to maintain it. You've taken a new job and you yeah. went to new students. You got to then respect them. You got to respect the new school and the old school and separate it. And. Uh, now, sure enough, right, there's always this little angle, it seems like, too. It's always, again, and I wouldn't mind if you played for us, or, hey, if you want to come to my school, that's why they have that rule in place. A lot of times it's going to be for good reasons. But the NCAA has a hard time drawing those lines of when is it good and when is it bad, so we're just going to say you can't do it at all. And that, But we'd get those, I'd get those uh, from coaches all the time. They would say, well, um, you know, hey, Aaron, I just left Washington State. It's cool if I just tell my girls, you know, happy birthday and this and that. That's not a big deal. No, it's not a big deal, but the NCAA rules say no. And here's why, Coach. So, unfortunately, you can't do it. Two things. First of all, there was 79 impermissible contacts altogether. So, this coach was doing a lot of these contacts. It wasn't just a THX. Type yeah. Type. Yeah, this was a couple of those. And, and then, secondly, I, I'm curious because it says the coach of the NCA did not get permission through the – through from the NCA. So, could you get permission to make these types of communications, do these type of communications from the NCA, and then would it be okay? 
Well, you could get a waiver of sorts. Like it could be like, hey, um, I was the only parent figure to this person. They're in a city that I recruited them to. They have no family around. And um, would it be okay if once uh, um, a year I just checked in to see how they're doing? And, and so you could figure that a way to that. Now, most of the time the NC is going to say no. But if you have some specific reason why that would be appropriate for you to do, you can get that asked by the NCAA and maybe get an okay. Or, uh, you know, hey, coach, this person transferred. They didn't know I left. I, they sent me five texts. They're wondering if I'm alive. Could I just get an okay to say, hey, I'm sorry. I can't talk to you. So like, and the NCAA is probably going to say yes. That's fine. The NCAA doesn't want to make it weird, but they don't want this sort of trail of everybody that leaves and this communication continues on. That's not supposed to happen. And that's different than a student athlete you know, a coach leaves and the student athlete immediately puts his name into the transfer portal, then there's okay to have, then that's okay to communicate. But, but if, right. I mean, if, yeah, as long as it's not like at the coach's direction, the coach says, Hey, I, I took a new job, put your name in the portal uh, and I'm going to contact you. But if it's more, how would you prove that? Though? It's hard to prove, but I always tell coaches, don't put yourself in a position where a kid one day could wake up and say, I'm outing this coach. Because then you don't sleep well at night, right? And so don't do it. Now, if you just tell the kid, hey, I'm going to be transferring here. It's a great place to go. I can't wait to go. I hope you're happy here. Um, obviously, if you're not, I mean, you can do whatever you'd like to do. But I'm going to head out. And then he heads out. If the kid on their own says, you know what? I'm following that coach. I'm putting my name in the transfer portal. That's fine. It's going to look suspicious if half the team puts their name in the transfer portal to follow that coach, right? It can happen a little bit. But, but coaches need to be careful of that, that you're not supposed to recruit out the door. Gotcha. All right, so that's that's the Charleston Southern Buccaneers, and that's their little violation here. Now, as far as the uh, the penalty, the penalty was pretty, uh, you know, one year probation. Coaster suspended for ten percent of the season. Uh, only only home games. One year order show cause order for the coach. Five thousand dollar fine. Um, the Washington baseball program. Now, they committed some a pretty pretty hefty, as you like to say, a pretty big bubba. A big bubba. See, Washington, uh, University of Washington Huskies in Seattle uh, have a great compliance office. I didn't even have to ask you anything. You knew it off the top of your head. Yeah, that you know Washington Huskies. And, and uh, yeah, and so here's what happened. So, you know, you got impermissible, um, uh, basically, in recruiting inducements. They're, they're, they're called recruiting inducements, but they're benefits to recruits. They're extra benefits for student athletes. That's right. So there were, there was, they paid almost $8,000 in airfare for 23 parents of 14 prospects to come and with the prospects to tour the school. So, so is that, and then that, you know, and, and, and they supposedly they got permission from the head coach in order to do that. And, and, and then, and that's the, and, which was not appropriate, right? So, yeah. so the question is, wh why is that a violation? Yeah, so I'll talk about it. So, okay, so what this happens, different sports have different rules. It can get very confusing if you're a compliance officer and you're, you're, you have baseball, you have basketball, you have football, you have uh, lacrosse, and they have different recruiting rules. Yeah, because it seems like one of the things that Washington messed up on here is they were under the impression that it, because for FBS football and basketball, it's fine to do this, right? You can fly a parent. Yeah, there's a rule that allows that. You can, and, and now then what would happen is who's defined as a parent. And you got to be careful. It can't be another recruit. Um, there's a lot of nuanced rules. But if you have two legitimate parents, uh, not a coach, you know, unless the coach is basically in local parentis, is a parent of the kid. 
but that happens a lot where my dad and my coach are going to go. No, you don't get just two free seats. It's two parents that are coming along and they just decided to allow that for football and men's basketball. I think they did a study and I think there was uh, some thoughts that those demographics seem to have the least amount of money. I don't know if that's true across the board, but I think just on average, when you look at tennis and soccer and baseball and other sports. Gotcha. So they said, let's, let's let the kids uh, bring the parents along. But it's easy as a compliance officer to say, yeah, yeah, you get two parents. And one simple nuanced rule like that that you mess up, uh, that's it, right? And they move on it and they start bringing a ton of kids. Well, now look what happened. They, they brought all these parents out and, and, and these recruits and different people that they shouldn't have been flying out. And they've racked up thousands of dollars and put themselves on probation. Yeah, one-year probation, $5,000 fine, a limit of 18 paid official paid visits for 2021 when normally you're allowed 25, and then a vacation of records of, con of contests in which these student-athletes participated in while ineligible. So did so. let's say that these 14 prospects all committed to Washington and, they were, and their parents were allowed to receive the, these flights out there. Does that render them ineligible? Yeah, they're ineligible, and they got, they got a recruiting inducement came to the school and participated. So they came to the school illegally in the NCA's eyes. So how do you render those kids from being ineligible to now being eligible? Well, they have to mea culpa. So they file the violation. You have to pay back to a charity of your choice uh, the benefits that you received. And you have to file a violation and then and have some sort of penalty that you do to the NCA. It might be that, okay, hey, you're going to lose five official visits next year or five scholarships and the kids have to pay the money back. There's going to be something painful and you're on probation for a year. And so if you have a major during that probation time, you're getting crushed. Something to that effect is going to happen. They got to, they, and they're going to have to up their monitoring as well. So they're going to have to monitor these official visits better. They need to, Hey, what is the rule? Create a sheet for each sport that you have that fits their rules. And the, and the director of ops for baseball can fill it in. Hey, these are the kids that are coming. Um, and you can have right on the sheet. Hey, remember, we can only pay for the kid. We can't pay for anybody else. So you just need to pay this one ticket and then show us the ticket you're going to buy before you buy it. So we can sign off on the visit before you hit purchase, right? There's different things and you can have that built into jump forward or online. There's different things you can do to make the, the monitoring better and schools need to get better about that. Be more communicative, more proactive, more monitoring, reasonable monitoring. Yeah. Unfortunately for Washington, they had to vacate their, their wins that, that, took them to the college world series in 2018 so so they're gonna have to take down a banner you know that type of thing i mean that that really stinks i know usc got dinged with that with when they had their violations that 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 really stinks to have to lose those wins yeah because the the kids didn't do anything the, the, a lot of kids on the team didn't do anything a lot of the coaches and then they're relying on the compliance office to get the right answer and the kids didn't I mean, even to the extent that they did something, they probably didn't even know they were doing what they were doing was wrong. No, they were just asking. But, you know, that's just you got to be on top of the rules. You have to have policies in place, procedures in place and, and be proactive with these rules. Otherwise, people move on things that are wrong and it can cause significant problems. All right. All right, what does that sound mean, AP? We're going to the phones. That's right, we're going to the phones. And this uh, going to the phones is brought to us by Welch, Bruin & Green. We're a law firm based in Portland, Oregon. We specialize in workers' compensation, personal injury, social security disability, and what else, AP? Collegiate sports law. We can do anything a compliance office could do, plus more. We can review coaches' contracts. We can help with an investigation. We can help you draft or rewrite policies and procedures that you have for your athletic department or compliance office. Uh, we can audit for you. Uh, give us a call. We'll help you out. Absolutely. What's the best way to get in contact with us? 
I think phone is great, Spencer. 503-221-0870. Ask for Aaron or Spencer. They can also go to our website, which is uh, wbgatty.com. You could email us directly at our Gmail account, which is college sports attorneys at gmail.com. Or you can email me at skelly at wbgatty.com. Or what else? A price at wbgatty.com. Give us a call. You won't regret it. All right. Here we are going to the phones. Who we got on the phones today, AP? Friend of the show. Jason Selby. Yeah, yeah, Jason Selby. He's a friend of the show. And uh, he's the reason he's a friend of the show is he's been on the, the show before. If you recall, he works for the Seattle Seahawks and, and Sounders, uh, the Seattle Sounders. And he is a veteran and does a lot of cool things for both programs and in his community. And so he's joining us today because we got to talk about some Seahawks, Spence, because the Seahawks are 4-0. Yeah, yeah. 4-0 for the first time in a long time. Jason, how's it going, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, so how's it? How what's the vibe been like there with you guys starting four zero? Because I don't think you've been four zero in a while, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the second time that we finished or started four zero. The last time I think we actually went to the Super Bowl. Hey, I like those odds. You know, I think that was 2013, right? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. So the Seahawks are doing well. Um, you know, because I was wondering about that because they have a good advantage at home with their home crowd, the 12th man. So the 12th man right now is on lockdown and you guys are not allowed to have any fans in the stands. Is that right? That is true. Yeah. We do not have any fans in the stands. Uh, the way we say is that when we're yelling at home, they can definitely hear it at the stadium. I gotcha. I like that. I think I saw something that Pete Carroll said, like, you know, get in your front porch and start yelling and screaming and we'll hear you, you know, and uh, which is really cool. Now they didn't do the thing that the N- the NBA was doing. It was there any, talks about putting like cardboard cutouts and that sort of thing into the into the seats uh we they haven't really looked at that uh the big thing that we do is we do have all the local high school teams have their jerseys uh in the fans or in the stands so that way all the high school teams are represented and stuff oh that's cool okay so they are trying but you don't have like the nba where they cut those video boards and i think they got you know different uh entertainers and rappers and different people kind of sitting there uh cheering on a video board nothing like that's coming for the nfl yeah, no, nothing that I see uh, coming like that, or or come like that, even in the near future. So what's the what's so do you do you get to go to the game still? Are you still there in the stadium, or do you have to stay home too? No, I got to stay home too. Uh, we try to keep. They're trying to keep it to the essential personnel that are needed, uh, the day to day operations, uh, obviously the field crew and stuff, and then uh, those that are around the team that are getting tested as often as possible. So for a lot of us, uh, we're working from home. Uh, we're cheering from home and, you know, supporting our boys. Yeah, I mean, that's tough because what game day, you know, stuff are they going to do if there's no fans there, which stinks. Because now there's veterans that deserve honoring that are not getting that honoring uh, right now, which stinks. But, you know, uh, do you think there's any chance of introducing fans down the road? Or is this pretty much the whole season, do you think? Uh, in my opinion, I, I – especially with the issues uh, or some of the COVIDs that we've had in some of the other teams around the NFL. What I'm concerned is, is, you know, that maybe they just keep this entire season going this way. Uh, one, cause obviously we want to keep the team safe. Uh, and obviously we don't want the spread of COVID amongst other fans and stuff. So I, I can foresee this may be the way the rest of the season goes. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, just like every other Seattle fan that we open up and we were able to get in there. 
Yeah, and is the are the teams doing any sort of bubble, or is it just kind of the guys go home and they go to the store and do whatever they want when they're not playing? Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, when it comes to the day-to-day operations of that stuff, I kind of don't know exactly what they got. I want to say that I know for the practices they do have that bubble. Um, you have to be tested, and uh, if you haven't been tested, they keep you as far away from the team as possible. Yeah, sounds good. Well, you know, I, it seems like the Seahawks have done uh, some good stuff. What do you think is working for them this year where they're able to – I mean, they beat some tough teams. They beat the Patriots. They got that kind of monkey off their back a little bit, so to speak, uh, beating them at the goal line. And uh, what do you think has been the success so far? Uh, I think the team dynamic. I, I think not having the, the fans in the stadium um, is kind of pushing them up a little bit because now they know they don't have the, the, the 12th man there. Uh, to get the false starts and to get into the heads of the uh, opposing quarterbacks and players and stuff. Um, but if you look at a lot of our younger players, even some of the ones that came up off the practice squad, uh, Neil, I, everybody seems to be stepping up. And, uh, we're starting to see a whole new dynamic of the team and the way that they're all backing each other up and just doing awesome things. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, well, the uh, yeah, I've been impressed by the Seahawks. I think they have a good shot. They got the Vikings coming up, right? A home game against the Vikings. Yep, we do. This Sunday is the uh, Vikings, and you know a lot of people say that uh, we may look past them. Uh, the Vikings play is very tough in Seattle, so I have a feeling that our you know our players are going to are going to see that they're going to step it up. I know Pete, Pete Carroll probably is going is telling them right now, hey, let's not look past this. We're doing phenomenal. The injuries that we've taken with Adam, um, you know, and a, and a few of our other ones, they just got to keep stepping up and doing what they're doing. And we, we have a chance to do really, really well. Have you guys lost a couple of those guys for the season or are they going to come back? Uh, we did lose, we did lose the two for the season. Um, and you know, obviously they won't be back, but Adams who had the growing injury, uh, I don't foresee it. In fact, I've already, I think they've already said he's not come back to the Vikings game. And with the bye week next week, it, it sets, us, sets us up very well to get some players back in and uh, finish the season strong. Well, that sounds good. Uh, how, how are the Sounders doing? Are they, are they still going? Uh, so, Sounders are rocking it. Um, I think we've won our last three. We, we had one little hiccup. Um, but, yeah, we are, we're doing phenomenal right now, uh, leading the, uh, the West and – I think we're a point or two behind Toronto for being number one for the supporter shield. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. And then I think the women's basketball in Seattle won it, right? We did. They storm, uh, storm just won their fourth championship. Brianna Stewart is incredible. She is so fun to watch. Yeah, it, she is. And the great thing is the Seattle sports right now is, uh, yeah, we seem to be on a hot streak and we're going to ride it out for as long as we possibly can. Yeah, well, we need to get the Sonics back in town. It'd be nice to have the Blazers-Sonics rivalry going again. It would definitely be awesome to have the Sonics back, and, you know, maybe next year the Mariners will uh, pick up on this winning vibe. Is there any talk about Seattle getting – I know they got the Kraken, which is really cool. They have the NHL Kraken coming, uh, the new expansion NHL team. Is there any chance that Seattle's going to get an NBA team that you're hearing about anytime soon? Uh, so what I'm hearing is that they, you know, obviously they've got the Kraken. Um, they're redoing Key Arena, and the way that they were redoing it was so that way it could turn into uh, a new home for an NBA team. Um, but really, I think the talk stalled when they did away with the uh, Soto District uh, NBA teams, and that's the last that I really heard of it. 
Yeah, I'd like to see the Seattle Clippers. How about that? That matches. That's a good name. Get them up there. And uh, you guys would break the jinx of the Clippers, no doubt. It could be. Well, the Seattle- We'd have to change their name to the Sonics, though. <laughs> yeah, because the Sonics have a championship, right? They, they, won, they won one. They won right after the Blazers won. I think the Blazers won in 77. I think the Sonics won in 78, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Yeah, I believe that is. Yeah, that's uh, Seattle. Seattle sports. Seattle's a good sports town. You know, and now have they adopted the Blazers up there at all, or is it just not the same? Because I know down here we adopt the Seahawks and the Mariners as if the, those are our home teams. You know, do you guys do that with the Blazers up there at all? I don't think we do, only because of the old rivalry. And, uh, you know, it'd almost be like if we lost, if you guys lost the Timbers down there, you're definitely not going to be supporting the Sounders. <laughs> that is true. That yeah. is true. There was not a lot of love lost between the Blazers and the Sonics back in the day. I I remember vividly just I couldn't stand the Sonics, even though even though they were you know I really liked watching Gary Payton play and Sean Kemp those guys Detlef Shrimp, but man I couldn't stand them back in the day because I was a huge Blazers fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know their colors. And you think about the rivalry between the Timbers and the Sounders, that would be that's even worse. Yeah, it's pretty bad. The Timbers have been pretty good too, right? Uh, Timber, Timbers are, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe the Timbers are uh, a few points behind us in the uh, rankings right now. Yeah, the Timbers actually won the 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 the, the return to the. I don't know. I don't even remember what they called it. Like the return to the bubble or something. Like the bubble tournament that they had down in Orlando. The Timbers won that thing. So that was that was pretty exciting for the for Portland. Yeah, up here up here in Seattle, we call that the Asterisk Tournament. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, exactly. There's there's definitely a deep-seated rivalry between Portland and Seattle in a lot of ways. Oregon and Washington, Ducks, Huskies, uh, the, the, the I-5 corridor. We're so close together. Um, you know, in your opinion, Jason, we'll let you go. I really appreciate you jumping on. You know, do you uh, – what, what is your expectation for the, the Seahawks this year? What do you think they're looking at? Obviously, the goal is going to be the Super Bowl. Do you think they have the horses and ability to get it done? You know, I – if we continue playing like we are right now, yeah, I, I foresee that we can go very deep into the playoffs. Um, I believe we can make the Super Bowl. Um, we're definitely going to – we will probably be the one or two seed, in my opinion, by the just by the way we're playing some of the players that we have that are out right now that will be coming back after the bye. Yeah, we hope for the best for Seattle. I think they got the best uniforms, best coach. And uh, we're really excited to see the Seahawks go 5-0 and this week. And what time is the game so people can check it out? Uh, I believe it's at 5.30. It's, the, night, it's the, night, the Sunday night game. Sunday night game, Seahawks, Vikings in Seattle. And uh, let's, get, let's go to 5-0. and Hopefully Pete Carroll keeps them motivated. As soon as you look past the team, that's a recipe for a loss. Right, Spence. That's what yes, B, that's what, that's what USC did against BYU, didn't they, Spence? That's right. USC <laughs> was thinking, "Gosh, we got to play. You got to play Utah. They're number three in the nation. We don't want to focus on these Cougs." And then the Cougars yeah. whooped them. The Cougars cooked them. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, Jason, we really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for jumping on here. Thank you for your service as always. And yes, uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, we'll we'll be in touch soon. Take it easy, man. All right, you guys have a good day. All right, bye. Bye bye. Well, it is nice to have friends of the show, and it is always fun to have someone who's that connected to professional sports teams on the show, the Seahawks, the Sounders. You know, I did appreciate his little trash talking with Portland, because I'll be honest, I hated the Sonics, almost as much as I hated the Bulls back in the 90s, but I hated the Sonics. How about you? Yeah, the Sonics had the same colors as the Ducks, and I didn't like the Ducks, man. And no offense to the Ducks, I grew up a Ducks fan. I grew up in Eugene. 
Uh, I know there's some listeners that are Duck fans, but uh, yeah, the Sonics, forget it. Sean Camp and Gary Payton and all those those uh, those guys. You know, Seattle lost their team, but the Seahawks, they're 4-0. They got the Vikings on tap. I think they're going to go 5-0, although this is a trap game written all over it. But uh, maybe they're going to go 5-0. and uh, Seattle's going to do really well. You go 5-0 and in the NFL and because you only play 16 games. You only have 11 games left. Even if you went 6-5, and five, almost barely over 500 uh, on the way out, you're 11-6 and six or 11-5 and five at the end of the season. 11-5, and, and you're a good playoff team. So the Seahawks are in the playoffs. They're going to be doing well, I think. Uh, you have to hear him talk about he's even out. He, he does the game day stuff. But game day stuff are not needed there. He doesn't need to do the flyovers and all the stuff and honor the vets and, and do the game day communication, all that, because there's nothing going on. And so he's sitting on the sidelines you know, like you and me, Spence. But it was cool to hear how they're doing and they're working on it. They've suffered some injuries, but they're trying to battle through it. Sanders are doing pretty well. Seattle sports are doing pretty well right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it will be interesting to see once, once all of Seattle sports comes back. you got the Huskies coming back and – and a number of Division One basketball programs are going to be starting in the summer, maybe in the in the winter. Maybe this will continue on with their with their college sports teams. All right, so here we are. We've got Nostra Pricemas, right? That's what we're calling you because you're 19 and one. 19 and one picks. with 20 picks. With 20 picks total, we've been doing this for five weeks. You're 19 and one. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of anything like that. Well, I've said for a long time. I I know college football and I know how to predict the future. Well, we're gonna we're gonna shy away from the BYU UTSA game because that's a huge line, thirty four and a half, uh, and I know you don't really like big lines, so we're not gonna give you that pick because I'm gonna make it harder this week. Yeah, and I just like wins and losses. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a betting guy, and so I don't like lines. I just who's gonna win and who's gonna lose. All right, so here we go. We've got Florida, number four Florida at Texas A&M, fresh off a loss to Alabama. This is at A&M, and Florida is six point favorites. So who do you got in that game? Florida. I don't think Texas A&M is that good, to be honest. I just think they play in the SEC. They have Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher's got a lot of smoke right now. He's having some heat. He's had some violations. I think Florida rolls. All right, next game. We've got staying in the SEC. We've got Tennessee, the Volunteers, at Georgia. Georgia's 12-and-a-half-point favorites. Who do you got in that game? Georgia. Georgia's going to win. Tennessee's not there yet. All right. Tennessee looks pretty good so far from what I've seen. Uh, well, let's switch. Let's shift to the ACC. We've got probably the game of the week, which is Miami, number seven, Miami at Clemson. Clemson is a fifteen-point favorite. Miami's seventh in the nation, and Clemson's still a fifteen-point favorite. Who do you got in that game? Clemson. Clemson's a big-time player. Miami's not quite back. They're good. They're better, but they're not back. Clemson knows how to win big games. Clemson wins. All right. The last pick. Now, this is this is going to be a tough one. We've got Virginia Tech, number 19, at number 8, North Carolina. UNC is a three-point favorite. Who do you got in that game? That is a tough pick. I'm going to go with North Carolina. That's going that's a tough one, but I think North Carolina wins that one out. And so I think this could move me, Spencer, to 23-1. and 23-1. and one. They, they, People will have to start you know, building you a statue or something like that. You go 23-1. <laughs> Now, it'll be interesting. I, I'm really curious about that North Carolina-Virginia Tech game because I don't think North Carolina has really played anybody yet. And, and for some reason, they're, they're seventh in the nation. I mean, they beat, they beat Syracuse 31-6 to and, 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 and then beat Boston College 26-22. Boston College almost lost to Texas State. I mean, I know it's hard to compare the, the, the two teams, but I just don't – it'll just be interesting. I, I'm – I'm not sold on North Carolina being the eighth-ranked team in the nation. 
Uh, so that that's that's what I might go against you on. But I do agree with you on the other on the other picks. So. That's fair. That's fair. It's not smart to go against somebody that's uh, nineteen and one. That's true. That's but true. you know, hey, week to week, there's always been this thought that there's week to week carryover or team to team carryover. These are kids that we deal with, and oftentimes one week to the next made no difference. So what happens is fans will see our team struggle on offense, score 12 points. It looks terrible. We think, gosh, our offense is doing terrible. And the next week we're playing a really powerful defense. We're, we're, we're screwed. And then the next week they'll score 30. And you think, well, how, how did that happen? Or what? It's very week-to-week specific because you're dealing with young kids and their emotions. It's hard to predict what they're, what's going to happen. Well, Only I can do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, you, we'll see how you do. I, I, you know, I hope you continue your hot streak. I really do, because you know, Nostar Prismus is is growing legendary. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how how things how things progress here. All right. All right. So keep keep we'll keep we'll keep monitoring it. We'll see how you do next week, and then hopefully the BYU wins big, right? Oh, I think they will. I think BYU. But I, I'm predicting this one's going to be a shocker, Spence. BYU is going to have a scare. A scare against UTSA? They'll have a scare, but they'll win. They're going to win, but it's going to be ugly at half, and you're going to think, what the heck's going on here, and then they're going to pull away. All right, we'll see what happens.